Before I begin the Bible class, I have a couple of announcements for you. Um, remember, Thanksgiving Eve, 6.30. Uh, we will also have the, the morning communion service on Wednesday morning at 11.15. Uh, next Saturday, we want to decorate the, the, the sanctuary for, for Christmas in anticipation of also put up the Advent wreath for, for the first Sunday in Advent. Um, so that'll be 9 a.m. next Saturday. There will be snacks and refreshments. Um, to bribe you to come, okay? Um, also, we have a very special event called the Advent Tea on the 3rd of December. Uh, uh, look, there's sign up right in the middle of the narthex. We want to have enough food, so look and see, first of all, how you, what food you might bring, but also make sure that you sign up to, a, to attend for the Advent Tea on the 3rd of December, which is not that far away. Okay, so... so uh, Pastor Clemmer's on vacation, and he would take in the, um, the, the month of December off from teaching. And I'll be here uh, this Sunday. Uh, Pastor Bartons will be uh, uh, next Sunday, and then I'll be teaching into December. Um, and that four weeks, and so four weeks reminds me of the four Gospels. And so what we're going to be doing is we're, we're going to be um, looking at the promised Christ. And, and so we, we want to prepare for Christmas by looking at the four Gospels. Okay, and looking at the unique um, way that each gospel approaches um, either the birth of Christ or the beginning of his ministry. Okay, so we're going to look at that, and today we're going to begin with the gospel of Matthew. Okay, um, we're very, very blessed to have four gospels. Of course, the gospel is uh, related to the um, word good news. Good news, that's uh, from a, a Germanic word. Um, but it's not good news in the sense of an ink in a newspaper, but it's a, um, it's a proclamation of a living word. And so it goes along with the, in, in the ancient world, the good news proclaimer was also important. So, so it's, a, it's a living proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. He's the living savior to those hearing the gospel. You have to understand such a radical, radical change occurs because these who hear Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, most of them, had grown up not knowing if they were Jewish, that Jesus was their Christ, they had to be converted to that, or if they are Gentile, not knowing the true God at all. So now we have this radical good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have four gospels, four gospels, and each gospel is very unique, and they give us the promise of Christ each in their own way. So we're going to look towards the nativity of our Lord from the perspective of each of these gospels. Okay, and we're going to be looking at Matthew, uh, first of all, today. So Matthew chapter 1. So if you don't have a Bible, go grab a Bible from the cart back there because I, I um, did not have enough room to put the text and my little notes on one, one sheet. Okay? 
By the way, are there any spare sheets hanging around there? Okay, there's some, a couple of tables over here. There's a few. Okay, so, oh, oh, oh there's some copies are up there. So, so grab a sheet. So, so we're going to look at, at Matthew. Matthew often, in the, uh, Matthew is considered the earliest of the Gospels in the early church. Um, you know, obviously we don't, um, there's no date stamp on any of the Gospels. And, and speaking about the Gospels, um, you know, you can read all sorts of things about, you know, when the Gospels were written, but be very suspicious if it's, if it's later. The Gospels could have all been written in the 50s A.D., relatively shortly after, um, even, even um, at the same time as Paul's ministry is going on and the epistles are being written. So, so there's no need to write, date the, the Gospels later. And this is why um, the little notes that the Lutheran Study Bible have at the beginning of every Gospel is, is very, very helpful because it's a wonderful thing. If you don't own the Lutheran Study Bible, mortgage your house, go out and buy one, okay? So uh, um, you don't have to mortgage your house, by the way. So um, now uh, I will tell you the, the only drawback is it's got so much in there. Have you ever noticed the pages are so, so hard to turn? They're just, a, and, you, and they're prone to ripping. Um, so, so you have to be a little bit careful. Okay, so we look at Gospel of Matthew. And by the way, questions are good. Um, for the sake of recording, I will do the reading myself, even though I'm, I've been, basically, I don't know much about the English text because I was working through the, the Greek this past week, and it's very, very, there's so many nuances right here. So, so Matthew 1, 1, we just want to take the first verse. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so, so this sets out to understand who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus, um, this one with this name? And by the way, what's the parallel Old Testament name to Jesus? What, what, Christ is the parallel, but what's the... What's the Old Testament figure in the Old Testament? It's a huge figure. Joshua, 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 Joshua. And so, so uh, Yeshua, uh, Ben Yosef. So, so he is Jesus. So who is this Jesus? Okay, now, now your introduction says the genealogy of Jesus. The, the Greek word is Genesis. So, so what is the, 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 the Genesis and, and the origin, uh, the, the beginning of here? And so this... Um, the book of the, of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. So, so book here, does it refer to the whole gospel? Maybe. Does it refer to, because you can see the same verb in, um, the same word in, in verse 18. Um, or, or does it introduce this whole book? And so, and so that's, a, that's a great question. I don't feel like I'm going to answer it today. But the word Genesis right here. So, it's a, so genealogy or, or how Jesus came about. Now, um, it might be suggested that right here, you, you might, after the word Jesus, put a, a colon, okay? Because Christ is not a name. Christ is a title. And so, so you have three parts right here that, that this Jesus is the, is the Christos, he's the Christ, the Messiah, Hebrew word. He is also the son of David, and the son of Abraham. And so what, what Matthew is going to be unfolding constantly for us is what does it mean that he is the promised Messiah, the promised son of David, and the promised son of Abraham. Matthew is a gospel that, that above all the other gospels, clearly it, it, look, it appears that 
That is for Jews who now believe in Jesus, such as we would have had on Pentecost, right? You know, so those living um, who had been raised Jewish with the hope of Messiah, the hope of Christ, that the Christ would come from the line of David, and that there would be a debated king, and that the, the promise given to Abraham would be fulfilled. Okay, so this is what it means to be a Jew at the time of, of, of Jesus. Okay? And so Matthew, as you go through, is showing indeed that Jesus is this promised one. He is the Christ. He is the son of David. He is the son of, of, of Abraham. And, and so those who heard this, they, they had lived in the hope of becoming Christos, coming Messiah, but now they live in hope because their hope is fulfilled in Jesus, who is the Christ. Hope is now fulfilled, and, and that's very important, to live in hope. Advent, as we'll approach it, is, is a season of hope. And we as Christians, above all, have hope because our hope has been fulfilled in Christ, and it's going to have further fulfillment as he comes back again. You're reminded by these terms, Christos, Christ, son of David and son of Abraham, that God is a God who makes a covenant with his people. Okay? Um, are you familiar with, with, with covenants in the Old Testament? Are you familiar with this? So, so, so a covenant is, is not quite like a contract. A contract is made with equal parties. God is not an equal party. He makes covenants. And, and um, even the covenant of Moses is a, is a covenant of a superior with an inferior. Of course, the covenant given to both David and Abraham are unilateral. I'm going to do this. Yes? Yeah, yeah, although it becomes almost like a formal contract because now in the case of, the, and this is why in the title, the, the covenant given to Abraham, or Abram, Genesis 12, and David is a unilateral, I'm going to make this promise, and there is no stipulations on it. The Mosaic covenant, the stipulations, here's how you're supposed to be, right? The, the covenant with Abraham and David is unilateral. This is my promise to you, and it's fulfilled in Jesus, okay? And so God who makes this covenant is a faithful God, okay? And so then I, um, so if you turn in your Bibles to, to Matthew 4, from Matthew 4, um, in Matthew 4, um, 17, and, and it's very clear, if you're to um, look, look in the Greek Bible, that this is now something new is happening. In Matthew 4, 17, um, you, you have... And from that time, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, so he begins his earthly ministry of his proclamation in Matthew 4, 17. And so, um, and so Matthew 4, 15 and 16 are, are concluding with this great prophecy of, um, from Isaiah chapter, chapter 9. And so what we have here is this, this opening in Matthew 1, 1 to 4, 16, um, begins with this, this thing. Okay, questions or comments about that first verse? Got a long ways, didn't I? Okay, the next few verses will probably get a little bit quicker because it's a genealogy. Um, and genealogies uh, are something you skip over. No, you don't skip over genealogy. You know, um, 
And, and so we see in, in, the, in the Old Testament, there are frequent genealogies. We see, for example, early on, there's the genealogy uh, going down from, from Adam, right? That's where you get Methuselah living how long? 969 years. And so, and then going on from there. And that, that ends kind of one cycle. And then you begin the Noah cycle with, with chapter 6, okay, of Genesis. Okay, so we're going to look at the genealogy again. I will, I will read this. And then we'll talk about the genealogy, and you can ask all the questions you've been wondering about this genealogy in Matthew all your life, right? Okay. Okay, let's look at it. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of, of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Minadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon, and the fa- Nashon the father of Solomon, and Solomon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the, the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. At the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Behud, and Abihub, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Elihud, and Elihud, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Okay. And so you're probably thanking me for reading that and butchering some of these, these names, but it's the best I could do. Okay. Okay, so, so why a genealogy? Why a genealogy? Why is Matthew doing this? Why is Matthew doing this? To prove he's the Messiah. To prove he's the Messiah. Exactly, exactly. And, and very carefully it's, it's written. Okay, so um, now, now if you're to go back... Um, a book that, that I, I generally had disregarded greatly over the years, but I heard a lecture on it by, by the former president of Concordia Chicago, Dr. Daniel Gard, who's he's, he's writing the Concordia commentary on, on Chronicles. Generally speaking, I got most of my information from 1st and 2nd Kings, right? Well, Chronicles begins with genealogies. Okay, these are the, the genealogies, and so it's very important to, to establish who somebody is. And so, so this is very important. Now, I mean, if for, we, we see a little bit of this, for example, at the recent death of, of Queen Elizabeth, right? And so now you have Charles, and it's very important that Charles is the rightful heir. And so, so and this is all, all sorts of things, and then you, you have, you know, in, in the, you know, in, through medieval and history, some of this, you, you have these questions of who is the rightful heir, et cetera, like this, and, 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 and such questions, and, uh, and, and the question of an heir was especially important to 
one particular English king, and he disrupted the church by doing something about it. Who was that? Henry VIII, right? Henry VIII. And he starts a whole new church body because he wants to have a male heir. Um, and so there's a whole other uh, episode of history right here. But, but who are you descended from? Okay. And of course, in the ancient world, especially in Israel, it, it also includes property rights, etc., like this, because Jesus is promised, is the promised Messiah, and the Messiah will come from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and which tribe? Judah. And that's prophesied in, in um, Genesis chapter 49. Then you, then you have David, the line of David, 2 Samuel chapter 7. So, so genealogy is important. Okay, now, a little, little note about about this, uh, it's a rather loose genealogy. For example, if you compare the, the names of the kings given here versus the names of the kings of Judah, it's a little bit missing. So the genealogy is the first part from Abraham, from the very very first part from Abraham to um, to, to David covers a thousand years. Okay, and now now it does not. The, the Greek says it begat, and so and so so there can be in some of these cases, you know. They pick up with the grandson, etc., like this. Yes, Aaron, do you have a question? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a question, but um, why doesn't it start with Mary? Because we know that Joseph is not actually Jewish. Yeah. Father, why, is it so, why does it matter that we're starting in England? Yeah, yeah. So, so the question is, is why, why does the genealogy go to Joseph, who's only a stepfather to Jesus? And, and so. And if you notice carefully in the text, it says what? It says, it says, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called Christ. So it acknowledges Mary is the mother. But the legal right comes through the, through the father's family right here. And so, so Joseph, so Jesus is legally now of the tribe of Judah through, through Joseph and his family. So that's, that's the point. No one believes that, that the, 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 the scriptures know who is the, the, that God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, that's how Jesus is, is conceived. But, but it's through the legal right. And this is, a, above all, this is establishing this, this legal ancestry, you know, going back to Abraham. And so this is, this, that's, that's, that's a beautiful question because, because what, what happens with so much, um, there, there's so much going on in the Bible that, that we have a hard time remembering, you know, what are, what are the customs. For example, we're going to be coming across right now, the, the case of, of their only, he's only, she's only betrothed in verse 18. You know, so right now, um, I'm not going to have anyone raise a hand, but breaking an engagement has happened in the United States of America, right? Just hand the ring back and that's it, right? You know, so, so well, not, not that, it might be more than that, but there, it's not. That's not it. And we'll talk about that when we get to verse 18. Yes, Linda, yes. No, no, because the genealogy would only go back to Abraham, you know, and so, uh, and, and, and even the genealogy of Luke is, would be considered rather in, incomplete also. There's a wonderful book about uh, biblical chronology written by Andrew Steinman of Concordia, uh, Wisconsin. And I, um, I, I, don't, I do not have the book yet. And, uh, and so, but, but I heard him speak like on issues, et cetera, et cetera, like this about about biblical chronology and stuff like, like this. So, so this goes back to Abraham. Abraham dates, like, roughly speaking, if you think about Abraham, he's it's like 2100 B.C., okay? You know, Moses in the Exodus 1450 B.C. Okay, so these are your rough, 
rough dates. So, so this only go back 4,000 years for us. And so obviously from Abraham back to Noah, back to Adam, there, there would be a lot more years. And, and I, I, I can't really, and Matthew's not dealing with this. He's talking about the legal, because his object is the promise given to Abraham is I'm going to start a people, right? From this one person who doesn't deserve as a covenant of grace. And now this covenant of grace has been truly fulfilled in Jesus because he is the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so now what you see in this genealogy is divisions. Look at the divisions. There's three main divisions. Abraham to, to David. David to the deportation to Babylon. And, and deportation to, to the current time. So three broad periods. And, and so, um, you know, covenant given, covenant given, the deportation of Babylon is both an indication of God's punishment when the covenant is broken. In other words, God's people were not faithful. The Baal worship had continued. And so the, it's punishment, but also promise. So if you look at Isaiah, we see the promise of the return, like a, like a new exodus. And indeed, um, today's Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 65, um, that this, this new exodus is oftentimes, um, you know, seems the indication of the further, the, the further coming eternal kingdom, you know, the, the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, and so, and so this is being anticipated in the birth of the Messiah, that God is bringing about a new heavens and a, and a new, new earth. Okay, um, so those, those kind, of, kind of thoughts right here. 14, great question. I've not come across a good answer other than you can see, um, you know, related to the days of creation, right? So, so it's kind of, um, you know, doubled up the days of creation, doubled up the days of creation, doubled up the days of creation, and you end up with 42 uh, generations in, in all that are, that are given. Okay, so um, we have some notable names in, in here. Um, and, and you see, um, obviously, Abraham. Notice, though, that, that you have David, and then doesn't say David, but it says David what? The king. The king. Okay, um, Solomon's the king, right? Doesn't say Solomon the king. Rehoboam's the king, right? But David is the king because he's the one given the covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And his kingdom's going to last forever. Okay, we have, we have other, other things right, right here. You, if you notice, um, um, for example, all these kings, and we have Abraham, and you, of course you have Boaz and Obed and, and um, Jesse and then David, and then you have the, the kings, and then you, you come all the way down to Joseph. You also have several women in this genealogy, um, especially two that, that if this is a Jewish genealogy, they, Matthew could have omitted their names, right? Instead, he doesn't. Who are the two? Ruth and Rahab, right? And Rahab, okay. Now, now it's very interesting. And then it says, um, the, the others are, you, you see in the genealogy, you see, David was the father by the wife of Uriah. Notice this, you, the wife of Uriah. Uriah was a foreigner also. Does not say Bathsheba, but it points towards, towards Uriah. So this Jewish genealogy, already we see Gentiles. And so how pure is this, right? You know, so, um, 
I was, uh, I was quite moved to tears on, on Friday. I'm listening to this podcast, and it's a, um, it's a history podcast, and it's talking about the White Rose and, uh, in, in Germany during the time of the Nazis. These two young college students and told their, like a story. And, of course, they had stood against the Nazis, and eventually they were found out, and, and, and their brother and sister, and they end up dying, you know, um, for, you know, trying to oppose Hitler, you know. So, so, so you see, um, um, you know, the reason I'm bringing up the Nazis, of course, this idea of, of purity, right, the pure Aryan race, et cetera, like this, is, you know, utterly, you know, this, this is, you always have to remember, this is Darwinism on steroids, right? I mean, I know this is what Darwinism leads to, you know, is, is, the, is the thought. And, of course, you, you have, you know, all sorts of, you know, the, a, lot of, a lot of 20th century racism comes from there, there has to be, you know, the, the thought that, that our people is a more evolved people, right? You know, now we know this garbage, garbage because God loves everyone, but, but this idea of purity. So in this Jewish genealogy, you have, you know, Rahab and Ruth, and there you have Uriah right here. And, and so, and then you also have these, these other, other women, we mentioned Bathsheba, but you also have Tamar, right? Now, now you have to remember, Tamar conceives children from her father-in-law by dressing up as a prostitute because her father-in-law was withholding his son who was her, supposed to be her husband. And so Tamar's not condemned either in the Old Testament or here, and neither is Rahab, and neither are Ruth. In fact, they are praised, and so, so they're examples of faith, and, and so this is uh, um, to be seen also. Okay, so, um, so those are, the, so Jesus is a descendant of real people. This is very important why the genealogy is here. Jesus doesn't pop up out of nowhere, okay? He's a true descendant of, of David, okay? So now we, we continue on. Um, but Jesus is more than descendant. Jesus is also the goal. God was making promises, and now the promises are fulfilled in Jesus because he is the Christ, going back to 1-1. He is the Christ. He's the true son of David. He's the true son of Abraham. Okay. Any questions or comments about a genealogy? Yeah, well, it's, it's showing the credibility of the line of Messiah. <coughs> and above all, that the, that the promise of God, that God is faithful in bringing about Jesus, and Jesus is the true Christ. And this is so, so important for us to see. Okay, yes, question. Yeah, and so it's so very much this is, we have to remember the two natures of Christ. Yeah, and so, and so to show that there is this man named Jesus, born of Mary, and that this man, Jesus, is also the, the true Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and of course, he, as, we'll dis, as we see, he is also, right here in the description of his birth, he's also the son of God. And that's what we're going to move on to right now. Okay?
So let's look on, you know, we're anticipating December 25th, Christmas. So, so here is uh, um, one of the, the um, two accounts. Now, now we're going to look at the Gospel of John, okay? And so the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh is more speaking about the incarnation of our Lord, not about, about Christmas, okay? About December 25th. And by the way, okay, I had this little, little, little side conversation before, before the service. I was just, uh, just saying, you know, how did we arrive at December 25th as the day of Christmas? Okay. Yeah, born. So, so all over the place you hear this stuff, well, you know, the Christian church, you know, had to react to the solstice or, or the, you know, there's these Yule things and stuff like this and stuff like this. Now, the amazing thing is, uh, is that, you know, thank Dr. Francisco for this, was that some of these things where they say these other ancient peoples had their, their versions that, that the Christians was adopted. No, a lot of their legends came as a result of them wanting to sound similar to Christianity. So which, which is, you know, the, the, the chicken or the egg? No, Christianity is the true, is the truth. Okay, so December 25th was settled upon because March 25th is the day when Jesus died. At least that's the early church thought. Okay, and so the early church associated with both the, that, that God would have had both the death of Christ and the annunciation of Gabriel to Mary on the same day of the calendar year. So March 25th would have been the day that Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, and then you had nine months, December 25th. So that's how we got December 25th. Okay, now it's a little bit more complicated when you get into the, the, the Orthodox Church. There's another thing because they, they celebrate every day of Christmas, but they're running a different calendar too. They're running an old Julian calendar. And so, so December 25th is related to the death of Jesus. And so that's why I love the true version of what child is this. Nail spear shall pierce him through the cross, be born from me for you. Try to find that on YouTube though. Very hard because most of the versions of YouTube are, you know, they, they repeat at the, at the end of stanza two, the end of stanza one. And so, but nail spear shall pierce him through the cross, be born from me for you. Okay, so let's continue on with Matthew chapter one. Uh, in Matthew's Christmas account, okay? Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she, she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Okay. Now, okay, I was just supposed to read the first two verses. I read, I got, I got carried away. So the, the first two verses, 18 and 19, is, so you, the hearers, the believers, know the story. Okay? So Matthew's not going to hide the story from you. Um, 
the, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That's the first part. It's pious and ignorant Joseph. His, his piety was actually going to lead him the wrong way because it, the truth had not yet been revealed to him by the Lord. Okay. Now, going back, um, the, this word birth right here is actually the same Greek word as genealogy. It's Genesis, the origin. So, so now, now it's going to be more specific. Uh, we see how, he's, how, how this came about from Abraham through David, through the exile, and now, and now with Jesus. And now we see how he's actually, his, his actual Genesis, his entrance into the world, his birth, right? And so, so it begins a little bit of story suspense because... It's not going to happen. Joseph's going to divorce her. Of course, he won't. But if you just look at these verses, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know the truth of the incarnation. Without knowing from God's word who Jesus is, you're going to be in the wrong way. You have to hear from God's word who Jesus is and what he has done. And so Joseph is pious and ignorant. Joseph is trying to be a good man, right? He doesn't want to make a spectacle of her. I, he could even have stoned, right? He's going to put her away quietly. That's what he's going to do. He's, he's going to be, he's very kind, and, and so he's a good, pious, pious Jew right here. Okay, now I do have that, that little note right here. Engagement this time was a legal process. And the two families were joined, and so once you're engaged, you're engaged. Um, and you're not going to break it except in, for this infidelity. And so you are um, engaged, but then the wedding will be a public wedding, um, and it's actually big to do. And so to understand the parable of the virgins right here, you have to understand in, in, in the ancient Israel at, this time, at the time of Jesus, um, the wedding celebration... And you can imagine a small town like Nazareth or, or like uh, the wedding of uh, Cana. You know, the wedding celebration was like a week or two weeks long. Okay? And so in that small, if you were excluded from that, and this would be, you know, there'd be the most shameful thing. So understand this. But of course, in the, in the, in the parable, Jesus extends it to being excluded from eternal, eternal life. And so, so weddings were really big to do. And so many of you, and including um, Amy and I, we, we've had to foot a bill for wedding reception, right? You know, um, can you imagine that bill? You know, you know, provide, you know, two weeks worth of food for all these people. And better be good food too, right? I mean, but, um, but, but weddings are a huge, huge deal. And, and the joining of two families. And so, so that's how important engagement was. Okay, so, um, so that's that's. That's the original solution. But we know that God intervenes and he appears to the angel of the Lord. And this is not to be confused with the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is a term most frequently used for the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay? So, um, and, and you see this, but this is an angel angel, like a messenger of God, appears to Joseph. Doesn't say Gabriel right here. Maybe it might be Gabriel also. Okay, because Gabriel's doing double duty. He's already appeared to Mary. Now he's going to appear to Joseph, but we, we don't know that, okay? Now, now this is uh, um, my little uh, uh, time to not step on my soapbox, but just to remind you what angels really are. They're the messengers of God. 
And they're fearsome. And so, and so in the Bible, um, pretty much every time you see an angel, is an angel, what's the immediate reaction? Fear. Fear. I, I, you know, I, I'm done. I'm done. So, so you, you have these, the, the first appearance of an angel is the cherubim in the Garden of Eden, the flaming sword. And so this idea that a cherub is a cute little thing. No, I don't think flaming sword's too cute. You know, seraphim, burning angels. You know, Isaiah just being terrified, Isaiah chapter 6. Gabriel, every time he opens his mouth, he has to say, fear not, fear not, fear not. Zechariah, Mary, and to the shepherds, right? And so, so at Christmas time, we're, we're inundated with, with all these angels, which aren't, right? And so, so I failed, you know, last year about this time, I was trying to do research where I could get a statue of an angel that looks masculine because our nativity scene um, does not match the, the, the Bible. And so I remind me, pastor, you need to do more research, you know, and find us a good angel that will be the correct size. So our nativity scene, we got this fearsome Gabriel right there. By the way, Gabriel will we'll come across when we do Luke 1 and 2, we'll, we'll discuss Gabriel more in depth, okay? So, so notice that the, that the angel addresses Joseph as what? Son of David. So immediately bringing to our mind this covenant and, and why this genealogy and that God is faithful. Okay, so, so Joseph hears this message. And so rather than, you know, um, having the fear of man, he has faith in the Lord and he, and he will be faithful to Mary and will be faithful to the Lord. Even though this could have caused great shame to him as well as to Mary, but he is faithful to the Lord. Okay. Notice it's revealed to him that, that she conceives by the Holy Spirit. And so this, we know that this child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you are to name him Jesus. Names are very important, just as the, the, um, we saw in, in the Bible, various people given names by the Lord. Um, and so names have meaning. And, and God saves, or Savior is a translation. Uh, Jesus comes from uh, the, the Hebrew root, root word. It's a verbal root um, to save, to save or to deliver. And so Jesus is the Savior, the deliverer. And notice he will save their people. Notice what he's going to do, save his people, because he's God. This indication Jesus is God. From what? Their sin. So we know that the chief purpose of Jesus is to save from sin. And so you just got to keep that in mind the whole way through. You're going to see Jesus uh, forgiving the sins of the paralytic. And of course, Matthew, uh, his, his description of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's institution, is where the, the blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper is for the remission of sins. So it's very important to see forgiveness of sins throughout the Gospel of, of Matthew. And finally, we have the promised Emmanuel right, right here. Um, and so we, we see the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, 14. Matthew uniquely gives more direct fulfillments of prophecy from the Old Testament than any of the other Gospels. Okay, so, so here he's been quoting Isaiah chapter 7, 14. And the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, so um, little footnote right here. The, the ESV um, has, has, to an extent, broken their rules. Uh, because how's Emmanuel spelled in this verse? With an I, right? But yet look at your hymn. O come, O come, Emmanuel with an E, right? Uh, the, 
If you go back to your King James, it was with an E. If you look at the Greek, it's with an, e, an epsilon or an E right here. So, so that little translation rule of the ESV, they should have kept the E right there. Um, you know, because the I is, is from the Old Testament, Isaiah 7:14, right? And that's the I is right there. So you always can tell, you know, there's a manual Lutheran church. There's an E or an I. Do they go to Old Testament or New Testament? E would be New Testament. I is Old Testament. Okay, so, so that's just a little... Well, we can trust the Bible, but I mean, it's, it's just a spelling thing, and, and uh, it's just a spelling thing right there. I think they did it for ease, so that way people wouldn't be, be confused. And so, but. Yeah, except in the Greek right here is E. That's where you get the E, the Emmanuel. That's exactly where you get the E M, like, like the hymn. That's exactly where you get it, is, is, is this one verse right here. So, so um, okay. And so, the, so, um, so now you have no question about who Jesus is, the rest of the gospel. He is God with us. And how does the gospel of Matthew end? How does it end, Matthew 28, 20? I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I cannot tell you how many times I've, I've quoted that verse to somebody, and I quoted him this past week. I was called out, and I, I don't, I haven't, I'll check back tomorrow, but a, a local nursing home, somebody, who was from Grays Lake, they're at a local nursing home, the Missouri Senate, they're, they're in hospice right now. So I got this phone call, went over, and she was still co cognitively there, not, not in a coma yet, so I reminded her of the promise of Matthew 28, 20, as she lays dying. I am with you always. There's no, there's no parentheses or footnote. I am with you always. And so this is his promise. Okay, and so we see in this lesson, there's faithful Joseph, but it's also gonna be faithful Mary, and we'll take about the faithfulness of Mary more so in the, in the book of Luke. And we also see Joseph being a faithful in his role as betrothed husband and so vocation to, to be over. And we'll see this further in Matthew chapter 2 with the coming of the Magi where he protects Jesus. They have to go to Egypt. Joseph is faithful in his vocation as guardian, stepfather, legal father, and husband uh, to Mary and legal father to, to Jesus. Okay? Um, and, and then it ends that he's faithful in naming him Jesus. So God gives a, a, a command, and Joseph obeys that command to name him Jesus. Okay, I, I just have this little um, kind of funny little thing. So it's very un-Christmas Christmas account, right? I mean, this is the, this is the Christmas account. And it, it's, a, it's a dependent clause about the birth of Jesus, right? Uh, okay, because it, it's a... Um, and and the, the main clause, and he did not know her, so... So, so they did not have sexual relations until, until um, she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, okay? Um, and so, so it's just, and he called his name Jesus. That's it, that's it. And the, but the birth is actually, is a dependent clause of, of underneath, he did not know her. And so it's relatively un-Christmas Christmas, right? But the promise is really the essence of Christmas. You know, cuteness of a little baby in, a, in straw is not the es is, is, is of Christmas, but the essence of Christmas is who this baby is that's lying in a straw. This is the Savior who will save his people from their sins, and his name will be Jesus. Okay, got a couple more minutes right here. Um, if you notice, I did not go into Matthew chapter 2, coming of the Magi, because that's not Christmas, is it? How old is Jesus? We don't know. What? Could be up to two and a half, right? We know, 
if you put Matthew and, and Luke together, he's got to be more than 40 days old. Because Luke has the Je Jesus being brought to the temple. Remember the song of uh, Simeon? At 40 days old, right? So they're, they're located in Bethlehem at least 40 days. So the, so the Magi could come after 40 days, but, they, but the instructions to kill all the infant boys or the boys up to two years old, right? So he could be anywhere from 40 days to two and a half years old, you know, close, maybe even close to three years old. That's when the coming of the Magi is. You notice what term I refuse to use and speak about Matthew chapter 2. Wise men. Magi are those who cannot understand the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. They're ignorant. The Magi in this story are ignorant unless God reveals himself to them. They first the star, they get to Jerusalem. Where is he supposed to be born? Oh, then somebody has to tell him from Scripture, from Micah, oh, he's got to be born in Bethlehem. When you get to Bethlehem, he has to have a star, right? Herod tricks them. So how wise are these guys? You know, and so they have to be warned in a dream not to return the same way. They're magi. It's all about the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles, not wise men still seek him. That, that's, that's synergistic, that we have some power. It's always by the revelation of God to the magi, to Joseph, to Mary, to you, and to me. Okay, I got like... I have a question about that. Yes. Well, see, and, and what is the Christmas star? Because the, the star that's just arising so that they can follow and go to Israel versus the star that is right above the place, the house. And by the way, they live in a house. They live in a house in Matthew chapter 2. And so, um, so I, God can do whatever he wants. So, and, and that's what he does. And, then, and, so, so, and, and I think it's, it's more important to say God can do whatever he wants in other words, he, become, he can become a man to die on a cross for you and me. God has done what he wanted to save you and me through Jesus Christ. Okay, and this is so, so important. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, I'm going to tie briefly, um, that he's the God with a Savior. So, so Matthew has these wonderful passages, bookend, that he's Emmanuel, God with us, Matthew 1, 23. Matthew 28, 20, I'm with you always at the very end of the age. Then, close to the center, Matthew 18, verse 20, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in your midst. And so, you want a piece of heaven? Go to the divine service. I think most Sundays at Bethany have more than two or three, right? There am I in your midst. We do not come to the divine service to remember somebody who lived, died on a cross, and rose from the dead, and ascended is now on the other side of Jupiter. No, the real Jesus crucified, risen, and ascended, is with us, and he's so much with us in person that he gives us his own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. You want a piece of heaven, you come to the divine service. Let our mortal flesh keep silent. Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God descendeth, right? And the, the, that great, great communion hymn. Okay, um, got like one minute. Let's cover the, the Christmas and the Gospel of Mark. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then Mark 1, 2, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So, so Mark just jumps right in, knowing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is going to show this to us, the, the message of John the Baptist, to prepare his way. So Mark really um, is not that, doesn't do anything with the early life of Jesus at all. It's just, boom, there's John the Baptist. 
And that's a whole other comment, so I covered Mark. So, so now we, we will go in. Um, next Sunday, Pastor Barnes will be here. And then two weeks from now will be the second Sunday in Advent, which is always uh, uh, focused on, on Jordan's banks, the Baptist Christ. We're going to look at, at, at how the birth of John the Baptist came about, Luke chapter 1. And then, the, um, then we'll continue on with the birth of Christ. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Because, by the way, Luke 2 is an entity in itself. It does not stop just the shepherds returning. There is no major division between Luke 20 and verse 20 and verse 21. There's no major division. And so we'll look at Luke 2 and see how the Christmas account that we love so much is actually tied with a broader account of what Luke is showing us about Jesus. Okay, in Luke chapter 2. And then the last week we'll come to that, that marvelous, marvelous um, um, opening to the Gospel of John, John 1, verses 1 through, through 18, and then see how that ties into verse 19 and the following in the Gospel of John. So that's overall what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks. Questions, comments? Yes? Yes? No, he, is, he himself is, is Jewish, but he's writing, primarily writing for a Gentile audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think. You know, I mean, hey, I could be wrong. So I, I, you, you prompt me to, to do some more research, but he is, he's the great physician. Yeah, and so, but Luke acts, and again, again, um, I might bring up some, I, I will bring up Luke and Acts together when we come speak about, um, um, when we get to the Gospel of Luke when we return. God bless your day. The Lord